what is up guys and welcome to the meeple minded podcast the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming my name is jason and i'm james how are you doing this week james yeah not too bad not yeah, too bad yeah. how's how's work been this week yeah great fun oh yeah yeah Same old, yeah. riveting i you know almost <laughs> skipping every morning because i'm looking forward to it that much <laughs> I bet you do. I, I bet you not. you please all your neighbours as well with your little jolly skip all the way to work. Yeah, you know, with a a, a song. If it's a particularly <laughs> no, I drive in for a start, and I look like every other miserable person on the road at that time in the morning. It's like oh, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> Just think though, James, when you're on your way to work, I'm already halfway to London. Yeah, I say halfway because I would have left like two hours before. Yeah, and that. No, you'll be in your, so, so, so you'll be in your first traffic jam of the day. Then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, that makes me feel a little bit better. I am I am sustained by your misery, Jason. Good, good. I'm glad I can at least make someone happy because I damn sure don't make my customers happy. That's pretty hard. Like, I'm having an awful day, but Jason's stuck in traffic. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Yeah, I, I try to get that mindset in myself. You know, I, I should feel happy because Jason's stuck in traffic, but then I remember it's me. Mm. So... Uh... But then again, I'm stuck in traffic with all those other lovely, miserable people that just don't want to be there. All those people who are either have to be in their cars or haven't realised that the tube is a thing. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, Londoners, actual Londoners, people that live in London. Why? Why? Why even own a car? I, I don't get it. Oh, to get escape it. London. It's for, it's for when you got out well, of yeah, London. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I can definitely understand that because if I lived in London, the first thing I'd want to do with my day off is get out of London. Can you remember the good old days, Jason, when we actually used to look forward to going to London? Now, now that you work there, it's really like yeah, it, it's a pain actually because there's some really good game stores in London. Yeah, as as we've talked about previously, we've obviously got the Bad Moon Cafe. We've got drafts. There's two dark spheres in London, amongst all the other amazing shops that London has. Yet, because I work there, the last thing I want to do on my days off is to go back. Go there. Yeah, yeah, but just think, Jason, you're a sensible person. So if you do go there on your day off, you'll get the train and yes. use the public transport, which means that you could stand on, say, Oxford Street and go, ha, 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 you're all in traffic. That's very, very true, James. However, I would like to pl- point out one slight flaw in your plan. What's that? Public transport. Yeah. Strikes. Ah. <laughs> I wouldn't be the clever one then, would I? <laughs> Standing on a, on a train station with no trains running. There should be trains. <laughs> Why are there no trains? <laughs> this is a station. Exactly. These people have clearly never played Ticket to Ride, James, or uh, on the underground. No, no, they haven't. Uh, I think that that's that's how we solve all of the striking issues here in the UK <laughs> for the transport. Get 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 the union of the government to sit down and just throw Ticket to Ride in between. <laughs> <and> go. <laughs> there you go. Learn how to play that, and then you'll know how to run the railways. No, I can tell you exactly what will happen is the government will try and cheat the rules, and the union will just demand more pay and not do anything. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, I had a pop at both sides. <laughs> We're not biased here. We're not biased at all. I mean, I am, because I am a train user. Uh, quite regularly, in fact. So I am constantly put aside. But I, for the most part, depending on what their reasons are, I do support them in, in a lot of things. So yes, we are we are actually unbiased here. Yeah, see, I I, I I took a I took a jab at both sides. I am not biased. Yes. So James, gaming podcast, gaming podcast. Let's talk about games. What games have we played this week? Oh, we played a bit of After the Empire, haven't we, Jason? We did indeed. Yes, last Wednesday, game night at home. That was that was an interesting one. What what were your first thoughts? on that we're doing this wrong yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- I think um yeah i i think i broke that game a bit too easily so i think there was i think there was something wrong if i know i now know that there we were doing certain things wrong because i sat down and read the rule book last night at the game club and yeah there was a few things that we were doing wrong with within that game which again this is no no shade on the teacher i think our newsman has the has the game yep uh and as i've said we've read the rules so i think we're going to be hitting that to the table again very soon yes um De- definitely a very good game but yeah i just initial and uh, initial thoughts were we're doing something wrong yeah yeah I, I i like i said i think i managed to break that game a bit too quickly uh, and easily 
for that fact. But yeah, I mean, initial thoughts of it, like having read the rules, there was a lot of it that we were doing right. And they were the bits that I was really enjoying Yeah, about the game. You know, the worker placement aspect of it, that was really, really good. I, I like how the gold system works in it. Yeah. Because you've got that really cool mechanism of obviously gold is how you win the game. Yeah. But the more gold you have, the more, the more attractive get. you are to being attacked. Yep. So you kind of don't want to have too much gold, but you also don't want to be too close to everyone else because at the end of the game, everyone's going to frantically be trying to get as much gold. So that's a really cool way of keeping the game balanced. Yep. Because again, if you do manage to just storm ahead on gold, you're, you're going to get battered yep. by when, all the... Uh, it does beg the question, though, is how the bandits know exactly how much gold you've got unless you're just hanging it off the edge of your castle going... <laughs> there you go. Look at this. Look. <laughs> hey. uh, oh, God, there's millions of them. <laughs> now, I, I did see, um, actually, with regards to that game, well, one of the tactics that I deployed in that game actually appears to be a f- a, a favourite tactic um, online, which was you have the choice of basically hiring soldiers yep. who you have to feed at the end of every combat or hire mercenaries who fight your wars and then bugger off without food. Yep. So I adopted the the mindset of, well, I'll keep my castle wooden and I'll just hire a load of mercenaries and Bob's your uncle. I'm quids in because I'm not actually spending anything. And it worked really well. And it seems like that is a actual tactic that a lot of people have, have adopted. So I'm glad I spotted that, that little thing. Um, but yeah, when we play this again, I think we'll uh, we'll pay a bit more close attention to those rules. Yes. And because combat was definitely being dealt with wrong, uh, as well as some of the building mechanics. So looking forward to trying that properly yeah but kids read the rules yep <laughs> don't do what we did <laughs> that being said james should we should we jump into a topical this week oh we, we've done a couple of weeks of game highlights and on a gaming podcast jason unheard I, I, of. I know i know it's, it's, it's blasphemy i know blasphemy yeah that, 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 let's just waffle on for half an hour or so half hour, 45 minutes now <laughs> i mean to be fair when we talk we usually waffle on for about two hours and then i spend about four days cutting that down to about 45 minutes yeah <laughs> but yes we have we have a topic james and this was uh derived from a question that we got sent on one of our social media platforms so should we dive into it let's do it let's do it suspend for music time. Ooh, yeah. I do. I, I'm so sad. I really like that. James, we had a question come through to us on, I think it was our Instagram the other day. And while I did correspond with with the person in, in question, I actually figured this is actually quite a good topic to cover at this precise moment because of something else that we will mention throughout this discussion. Mm-hmm. And the, the question was from someone who's not new to games but still fairly new to games and they've obviously started buying games they're buying lots of games to their collection and the question came about because they wanted to know how safe kickstarter really is you know is it a safe platform is it a trusted platform you know is it a uh, you know is it a safe place to get to buy games this is a question that will probably go for the rest of time that crowdfunding is a thing because we're going to talk about crowdfunding in general while kickstarter is the big boy we obviously have game found there's backer kit doing it now as well mm-hmm. indiegogo and a myriad of other different places so james as someone who has never done a crowdfunding campaign for a game yeah how what, what's your opinions are, are on crowdfunding it depends because to me is it's a bit more of a nuanced question because you know how safe is kickstarter was the question mm. but well the, the simple answer to that is well kickstarter is a legitimate company so yes yeah it's in, fair, that, it, in, in, in that in that aspect, aspect it's fairly safe it's legit yeah yeah what people i think or especially newbies fail to grasp is what crowdfunding is yes I think a lot of people go into something like Kickstarter viewing it as a pre-order platform, which I... Uh, uh, to be fair, a lot of companies use it in such a way. Yeah. Which is a, is a topic all by itself. Yeah. Um, but the original point of crowdfunding is they are sourcing the startup cost. You know, it's meant for small smaller companies that don't have their own networks effectively to source funding yeah so it is an investment yes and a lot of these that's the first thing i'd I'd sort of say 
to people is it's an investment, so it is possible to lose it. Yeah, exactly. And that that's the key thing here is, is that word investment because it's like investing in a business. Yeah. You know, if, if the, the business, bi- goes, if the business under, goes under, your money's gone. You know, is, is the long, long story short here. And, you know, I was looking through Kickstarter a little bit earlier and there are essentially accountability policies in place for uh, projects that are hosted through Kickstarter because obviously when when you support something on Kickstarter or crowdfunding in general you're not actually technically doing anything with Kickstarter per se they're kind of the middleman they take they're your the hosting, money yeah it's a hosting site and then one yeah or I mean the first thing is you don't get charged until the funding goal set by the creator is actually met yeah and then it runs for a period of days. And at that point, Kickstarter will take the money from yourself and all the other backers. They put it into a nice big pot. I think it's seven days after that. They take their cut, which is a percentage of whatever the the the, uh, the campaign has made. And then they pass the rest of it on to the creator and goes, right, go and make whatever it was you have, have had a project for. It could be board games, could be computer games, could be a 3D printer. It could be a teddy bear, you yep. know, a brand new teddy bear that you want to bring to market. That is what Kickstarter is for. And yeah, there is an accountability policy in place. And it has three key points to it. Uh, number one would be when you support a project, project on kickstarter you are not buying a finished product so again there's the there's distinguished distinguished words here james you're not buying a finished product it could be at any stage yep of the progress number two and this is obviously a key one for something that we will be talking about later kickstarter is not responsible for the content or results of the projects on the site yep and number three there is always a chance of delays or setbacks which is a common complaint that we always hear about crowdfunding yeah because if i back a game right now which i know i am i'm currently backing a couple of games i know that those games are not going to be with me for at least a year possibly two sometimes three sometimes never is that really a pre-order platform let's be honest no no it's it's like, like i said at the beginning you are investing in a in a project yeah so on those grounds we look at these things as an investment how safe do you personally perceive backing a game on on kickstarter to be if you take into account all of the things like delays potential price increases yep um shipping costs yeah that I mean, was a big one that that was a big one wasn't it the shipping crisis and mm. um manufacturing costs going up so let's say originally the product had a goal of five thousand pounds just to yeah. pull up a I random mean, figure I mean, yeah that will be very low but yeah, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll go just that, pick yeah. a random and say they had original funding goal of five thousand uh, pounds because when they totted up all the all of their costs it came to an amount plus a little bit extra of you know profit yeah sweet but now all shipping's gone up, so that's eaten their profit away. So now they've just they're not actually making anything on the initial run. Mm. Then the factory that they've sourced to actually put these components into production has gone, well, due to a materials cost, we're gonna have to actually increase your increase the costs yes. of yep. your order. Now they're sitting there going, Oh, I we've run out of money. So all that, that profit is gone and we're now eating into basically an overdraft yep uh, in that in that situation which has happened a considerable amount of times yep um and to talk about the shipping crisis and this is another thing to bear in mind for anyone who hasn't used kickstarter we're talking about postage and how that affects the kickstarters postage is usually charged separately you know that is not included in your in your pledge yep you're pledging for the product and then when it comes close to shipping out the product there send you a lovely pledge manager where you then pay for the postage yep and that's usually the best way of doing it because of the fact of because it's so close to shipping the shipping prices will be as current as they possibly can be yep the problem being is if that falls slap bang in the middle of a shipping crisis Mm -hmm. those prices are going to be substantially more than the air quotes estimated postage cost that will be listed on a kickstarter and just like anything else remember that it is a global platform you never know where it's actually you know most of these places will contract um factories in china mm-hmm. so yeah. you've more also the final sting is you're probably gonna get stung with an import charge as well i mean for the most part yeah you 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 tend to i mean again this is something that we will talk about later but as part of your due diligence of doing kickstarter you will be looking on there at the shipping thing as and as soon as you see someone that says oh eu friendly or uk friendly customs friendly once you see that it's great because you know they're going to 
cover your import and, and customs charges. Obviously, if you don't see that, that's potentially a question you want to immediately ask. Is that well, is this my location friendly? Yeah. Because if it isn't, factor in that import cost. Because as you said, for the most part, these things come from China. They go to usually a central hub and then they're posted out. So the import charges will be paid to get to that that hub. But for us here in the UK, for example, if the hub is in Spain and they ship it over here to the UK, because we're not part of the EU anymore, there is a potential, if it hasn't had its customs paid, yep. that we will then get hit with an import charge. I know my Masters of the Universe game that's coming soon was not customs friendly. So I know that when that arrives, I've got a nice bill that I'm going to have to pay. Yep. The the question is, how much is it going to be? I right now I don't know. Yep. But hopefully I'll know within the next month or two. But what we're basically getting at here is that the original creator of this, at any point in during this, oh well, the shipping's gone up and oh the costs have gone up. They might decide to throw the towel in. Yeah. If they run out of money. Yeah. Exactly. You might get some companies that might just sort of come to you and go, look, we know you've paid all this. We're really grateful. Would you mind chucking in an extra ten dollars or ten pounds or whatever, mm. just so that we can get it to you you know and that may sound like a lot to you but when you think of the fact that they've probably been stung for maybe a hundred thousand pound more for shipping all of these games all over the world yeah that ten dollars and everyone else's ten dollars won't even put a dent in it yeah but it's a not it, it just shaves it off a little bit i mean we're, we're only talking about shipping here james yeah That's and, just and, ma- and manufacturing as well but it's yeah. like it's just hammering home that it is an investment yes yeah exactly and don't expect a game to be turning up on your doorstep next week. Yeah. Because it's it's not that at all. It, it, these things are usually in the very early stages of production. They might well have a, a prototype if they've, you know, if they had some spare money. Small Smaller creators may not have a physical prototype ready. Mm. So that could be the next step but usually good creators will give you timelines of what they're going to be doing and stuff like that but these again these timelines are estimates yeah you know things happen if if they get a prototype come through and there's something that's glaringly wrong with it to to use one of our good friends stop drop and roll with earth rising they had a prototype turn up for the board and it basically fell apart because it was too heavy so they were able to identify that issue go back to the factory and go right this is a problem we need to address this they worked together they created it they got a new prototype sent out that process lasted about two months just identifying the fact that one of the boards was not strong enough yeah but how annoyed as a backer would you be if it had have not been identified yeah your lovely game that you've paid 60 70 and upwards pounds for turns up you get it out for the first play and it tears right in front of you yeah you're not going to be happy so again investment 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 you're not buying from an online store you are investing in a product that you believe in yes so that basic fundamentals of kickstarter out of the way we need to talk about a few a few games that i personally have experience with yep. i've i've backed a substantial amount of games now i've had both the good and the bad and some very bad yep uh, there is also a campaign that has recently happened at the time of recording it was suspended by kickstarter about six days ago uh, so we're gonna touch on that a little bit let's let's talk about some games james let's start with something good let's start with something good and why i really like the likes of kickstarter and things if it wasn't for something like crowdfunding one of my favorite games of all time would not be a thing no and we're talking about dynogenics yep now this is a exclusive kickstarter game because the game costs so much to produce they'd never make money on it. So to get it, they, they've they literally only ever done the Kickstarters. And if you want the game, the next time they do a Kickstarter, that's going to be the only way you'll get it. If it wasn't for crowdfunding, James, we would never have seen it. Nope. And how much of a travesty would that be? It would be because it's a very good game. Yeah. What other good things do you think came with Dynogenics that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for crowdfunding? Uh, yeah, so I think the deluxe fighter components, basically, is the thing that take away from that game. It's like you've got the metal coins, the wooden meeples, the fence pieces, the 
dual layer boards, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff started really appearing from crowdfunding because yeah. they were add-ons, yeah. stretch goals, yeah, exactly. another big I mean, part of Kickstarter. Exactly. I mean, you know, while things have changed recently and it's become more of a pre-order platform, you know, things like stretch goals, you hear talk of people talk about them all the time. And that is crowdfunding. You know, cool mini or not, they wouldn't exist yeah. if it wasn't for Kickstarter. That's where they started. And all right, granted, for the most part, they tend to stick there. But if it wasn't for crowdfunding, we wouldn't have cool mini or not so no marvel united no cthulhu death may die no what else have they made marvel zombies uh, zombie side zombie side ank you know all of these things it's all come from crowdfunding the dual layer boards james that's something you mentioned there yep that that to my knowledge was something that came from from crowdfunding you know the demand for more yeah people wanted more they wanted more deluxification in these expensive games as they got more expensive they expected more dual air boards was one of those things metal components was a thing what was wrong with punch boards nothing they're functional but we want more that's what crowdfunding has given us yeah and that's that's basically the whole point of as we've mentioned stretch goals isn't it mm. it's well the funding goal is for us to actually make the game. Yes. Yeah. So that's the funding goal. But if we hit this... We can do this. We can give you extra. We've costed it up and we can give you this. Yeah. If we hit this, we can give you this. Yes, exactly. So sticking with the theme of dinosaurs, James. Yes. And as we're talking about stretch goals and a ridiculous amount of them... Uh, Jason, are we about to start talking about your bugbear? We, we, we may well be. <laughs> we, we may well be. We're going to talk about my worst project to date, which is the Jurassic World miniatures game. Buckle up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alrighty, here we go. Crack those fingers. Let's talk about Jurassic World, the miniatures game. We've You've heard me talk about it since the inception of this show. Me and Ian, my original co-host we both backed this game we both backed this game for a how much substantial how much? amount multiple hundreds I, I mean to be fair i backed two copies of the game just for me two copies and yeah it came you know the, the campaign was really really good the campaign page was good it looked attractive you know it had all of the ips and stuff you know it had universal's branding all over it amblin all of the the lovely bits that you'd want to see to know that a kickstarter is it it's legit it is legit. Now, they had a fierce stretch goal uh, run, shall we say. Almost every day they were unlocking two, three stretch goals, and their Kickstarter stretch goals was more miniatures, more dinosaur miniatures. You know, not small miniatures, big, big miniatures, which is great. I was getting a lot for my money, and, and you know what? Granted, I spent multiple hundreds on it, but with what I was going to get, it would have been well worth it. Now, this game, I believe, was on Kickstarter in 2019. It is now 2023. I do not have this game. There has been no updates for this game since last July. Seemingly, the creators of this game have disappeared off the face of the planet. So, we've had some good. Now we're talking about the bad. This is the downside of that investment side of things because as i said everything about this i i although this was very early on in my gaming sort of journey i did my due diligence for this campaign i checked the company exode games they were you know that they, they they were a company you know they didn't have anything negative about them they'd had a previous campaign which had succeeded and delivered you know they had the backing of universal which in my mind was phenomenal so there was no screaming grill glaring highlights yep uh you've actually looked at their their campaign page in the past. i have did you see anything no i like you like you mentioned there it's got all it's ticked all the boxes you know it's a legitimate company for a start mm -hmm. they've had a previous they've run and completed a previous kickstarter campaign so that to me says okay cool they've They've already done a campaign and they've delivered on it. So plus one. Yeah. And the big one for me, like, uh, like you said, was having Universal's seal of approval because it's like, yeah. oh, that means that they've checked to make sure they're happy to give their IP to these people. So it must be legit. Yeah, exactly. So what 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 went wrong, James? What went wrong? Well, all of the, the place, you know, the, the Kickstarter page is still there. You can, by all means, have a look at this on, on Kickstarter. You can access the comment section, the updates. All of these things are still available to the public. There's a lot of people saying that this was a scam from day one. Now, 
for a period of time, I, I was one of those people. But in the process of preparing for this episode, I did a lot more diving in than I would usually do uh, on one of the companies. And I'm actually at a point now where I'm going to come out and say I don't think this was a scam from day one. And th- for multiple reasons. First and foremost, as I said, the last update we had was July last year. Now, if it was a scam, there's no way in hell they would have dragged it on as long as they did. Once they had that money, they yeah. might have done a few updates to sort of, you know, disguise the scent a bit, but they weren't going to carry it on for multiple years for the, for the most part. I mean, that would be a very dedicated scammer if it was. So that, that that's sort of inkling number one. There was a particular update that I looked back on and I went, you know what, of all things, that proves that this wasn't a scam. And that was they uploaded a picture of a metal mold, which is obviously what they use when they're making things like miniatures in the factories in China. Those things are not cheap. Each one of those molds, and this was for one dinosaur, one single dinosaur, that would have cost them in the region of about £5,000 for that one mold. And there was a few updates that they posted these pictures, all different dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. You know, there was at least £50,000 worth of molds shown to the backers. If it was a scam, they're not going to go out and spend £50,000 of the money that they've successfully got at this point on on doing that. So, again, the evidence is there that they were putting this game into production. So why didn't it deliver? This is where things get dicey, because obviously the campaign was in 2019. It was meant to deliver in 2020 at this point we all know what happened to the world yep between those times so that obviously affected it there was a new movie coming out which will have affected it as well because there was content coming for the game that was tied into the new movie at the time which they obviously weren't allowed to talk about for fairly obvious reasons so that's another thing that affected it you know when you're working with an ip the original IP owner has the right at any point to change whatever they so want, you know? So if they put something into, they design something, they designed the pictures on the box and they went, right, this is all done. This is ready to print. If Universal turned up at that point, as they actually did, because even Universal has confirmed this themselves, they came along and said, oh no, we need you to change the box now because we want you to have this dinosaur on it. So they did. They changed it all and they showed all the progress. Couple the fact that two years, two years down the line having spent all these money on molds that money that they initially got because this campaign raised about three hundred thousand pounds and then uh, they did like a second mini campaign which raised another 300 so they they raised about six hundred thousand pounds for this game two years down the line having spent been spending all this money on production in the you know in china and all that kind of stuff the money was getting low i think what what i personally think happened is the money ran out and as an inexperienced company of such a large production because the game that they did previously was not a large production Mm -hmm. with a large production and the pressure from the ip and stuff i think they panicked and they've essentially disappeared off the face of the planet. Looking into it now, the company has gone into liquidation, so confirming that the the money is gone. And yeah, at the end of the day, if the company doesn't exist anymore, the people don't work there anymore, they're not going to be signing on to a Kickstarter and basically acknowledging it because they'll be doing it off their own back. And understandably, people have invested their money, they're going to go for them. Yeah. So they've kind of just ghosted everyone, which I don't think is the right thing to do, but... There is a semi side of me that understands this. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. I don't think it was a scam. I think basically you and all those other people, you basically invested in it and it went bust. It did. Yeah, it didn't work out. And yeah, my investment has gone. I mean, one day, randomly out the blue, it, it could just turn up. Yeah, there's nothing saying that there isn't stuff going on in the background. But the realist yeah. says, this is a dead project. My money is gone. Learn from my mistakes. And this is the thing point now is, what did I learn about this campaign? Because I did my due diligence. I checked the company. I went on Board Game Geek. I checked the designers. Are they credible? Are, is the is the company CEO credible? And, you know, to be fair to her, she was incredibly credible. A lot of a lot of business knowledge and, and stuff like that. I think the one thing I learned from that campaign, and I have stuck with it since, is while all of those things were big ticks, Exo Games is still a small company. And to take on such a behemoth 
Plymouth project. Yeah. Because we worked it out, I was going to get about 12 boxes of miniatures. Yeah. That's just me. You know, and you think worldwide, it's people all over that'll be doing that. That's a monster of a project for a small company. I think that's what I learned. Big production, small companies, I'm probably going to steer clear. What do you think about it now, Jess? Because yeah. I've not really talked to you about Jurassic World other than I'm frustrated about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think just to take away from that, it is that small company massive project it's like especially if you've gone from one small production to a behemoth it's a whoa maybe you should go in steps yeah and the other thing they probably didn't help themselves on and i have no sympathy for them on this is they were constantly in 2020 especially posting about new games that they were working on and and stuff like that as well like all the all these games are coming all these games are coming it's like you're a small i believe it was a three-man team yeah at that company forget those games and focus on the one that people have got a lot of money invested in and that by that point you will have already been struggling forget designing those other games because that really did reek of we're running out of money we need to get another game out there on kickstarter to get the money from that to pay for this and then we'll deal with that one at a later date yeah it's the last thing i think a company should be doing yeah but back to positives here james back to positives small publishers we know a few of them personally stop drop and roll unfringed the likes of pugs in mugs would never have been put into production yeah and the key one that i actually now like to use is is the unfringed game zuli because that game would never have been made and yet that was the talk of the town at uk games expo last year Mm. and every print run it's had since has just sold out sold out instantly again that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for kickstarter so bonuses is it safe for the most part yes as I've said, I've done a substantial amount. Yeah. Three, I mean, three digit amounts of campaigns, and I've had two that have gone wrong, and this only I, one of them has never delivered. This is, it depends on your definition of safe. Yes. It is no investment is safe. It, you know, it, it's exactly the same as uh, buying stocks in a company. You know, if that company goes belly up, yeah. you don't walk back up to them and go, well, where's my money back? It's like, yeah. it's, it's gone. Yeah. Look at investing in a game yeah. uh, is stocks on the stock market isn't it that's basically what you're doing you're, you're going to the stock the stock market and you're buying i like the look of that i'm going to give you some money yeah yeah exactly why haven't we got a game like that <laughs> i think i think well, we need to look see if there's a game like that just trade trade square you know <laughs> Something like that. But anyway, yeah, th- that's exactly what it is. You're you're buying stocks in a company, but your yeah, bro, rather your than output get... from that company is the potential of a game, potential of a physical game. Yep. And this isn't limited to just tabletop games, is it, James? Like the likes of Kickstarter, they deal with everything, and and there's been probably thousands of campaigns that just haven't fulfilled. I think you get sort of like a 30-day, I guess, not not really buyer's remorse, but if you start seeing things go belly up in the first 30 days, you can apply for a refund. Yeah. Uh, and for the most part, you will get it minus 5%, uh, because Kickstarter have already taken it and they ain't going to give it back. Yeah, because that's not their problem. It's not their problem, exactly. Uh, right, James, let, let's... Let's talk yeah. about Dungeon Dell. Yeah, this one, this one to me is the reinforcement of actually, yes, Kickstarter is a safe platform. Yeah, I mean, to a degree, to a degree, and, uh, and we can have that discussion because Dungeon Delve is the campaign that I was referring to at the start that has actually been suspended by Kickstarter themselves. Now, a very quick back history as to what Dungeon Delve is. It was a dungeon crawly type D&D board game hybrid thing and you'll see why i'm calling it that in a minute that was on the crowdfunding platform it was it had a questionable project page um, <laughs> that's a polite way of putting it <laughs> yeah i mean th- th- there's a lot of things that can be said about this campaign and a lot of it we can't say on here being a family friendly show but long story short People called it out that it was a scam. Now, the fact that it made it to Kickstarter is impressive because Kickstarter, believe it or not, does actually have 
some stuff. You know, you, you have to submit a campaign weeks ahead of, of when it's going to go live, and it's supposedly so it can be checked. It, it's got past that, so it, it's made it to the platform. People were able to pledge their money towards this game. But yeah, there was a few things on there, James, that I showed you earlier that proved that this game was yep. a scam. I would actually, I don't know this for sure. I'm just, I would be more willing to bet that their actual checks are financial based. Like, mm-hmm. if things get difficult, do you have the financial overhead to start compensating for it? Things like that. And if they are a scam company, they will be able to basically go, oh, yeah, look, I've got loads of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't actually know what the pre-checks are. Yeah. Um, I would be I think willing. They are, they are quite heavily under yeah. lock and key. So I don't think there is much check of the actual campaign mm. itself. I've, I would be willing to bet it's financial checks. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me. And that would make sense. It would definitely make sense. But um, yeah, let's talk about the campaign page to start with, James. And the first one I'm going to talk about is without even having to read any of the campaign, the first thing that you see when you go onto the campaign page is the funding goal. Yep. Now, this is a miniature-based game, miniature-heavy game, in fact. Yep. And its funding goal was £500. I'm no expert in putting miniatures into production and stuff like that, but I know for a fact that £500 is not enough to put a game into production. Jason, uh, remind me, because you've already told me, how much did you say those miniature moulds for, for mean, Jurassic yeah, uh, I mean, World w- were? Yeah, w- when I was thinking about it, you're talking £5,000. £5,000 per miniature. I mean, that would have been a large dinosaur so you probably would have got i don't know 10 miniatures in a in a five thousand pound mold yeah yeah then let's let it sink in five thousand pounds for one mold this game was also boasting that it came with scenery large scenery mm-hmm. that's very expensive yeah no <laughs> so we now we can actually talk about the campaign james because we, we've got past that initial step what did you see on that campaign page that immediately drew your your eyes to it and went i need to back this game well the thing is all right we need to talk about comparisons to other campaign pages as well because you know mm-hmm. um they're usually brightly colored well like you know they've had some graphic design yes. put into them yeah basically yeah. you know to make them look flash yeah this one was stock white yes stock white yeah might yeah. as well have been done on word yeah with some pasted pictures in and uh the, the pictures were a doozy <laughs> um, oh yeah most campaigns would if they have components like a, a pre-production copy or you know something to show off that you know that will be the focus yeah the first two pictures were that i saw were here's our head office that was it they were in the updates they were the first two updates yeah which, was, was which it, we will talk about was this when people started calling them out for being scams by pretty, any chance pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> uh but yeah it's like or they're they're saying here's one of our miniatures. Mm-hmm. It's it's a blatant, so obviously an AI generated image, yeah, and not of a miniature. No. It it looks like it's been ripped straight out of a computer game, and it's just a head and shoulders. Yeah, which as we talk about the updates later, we'll cycle back to those pictures because with uh, in fact no, we'll just talk about those updates now because then we can talk about those. The first two updates included a picture of this air quotes head office uh, which has a gigantic statue outside their office now just talking about the grass outside the office it's it's not real <laughs> it's not a real picture and the office is huge it, it's absolutely massive it's a massive office built it's like i'm sorry you're supposed to be a Small, Small company. Company? Yeah. yeah. It's like, y- y- it looks like your office park r- 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 rivals Google HQ for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It was, it was monstrous. And then the second update yeah. came with a picture of their supposed call center, which. Yeah. For, for customer service, which what had about. Oh, it was a proper, what you would deem as a full blown call center. Now I, I know I've used that image in the past. It's actually a stock image that's available on multiple websites. Yeah. But, but it's what, a, a full blow what 100 150 just in the image because it's yep. bigger yep. but just in that image 150 cubic it's like i'm sorry the largest miniature manufacturing company i know of 
is Games Workshop. Yeah, yeah, at least one of them, yeah. Yeah, their customer service team is 10 people max. Yeah, so something like that, yeah. I mean, e- even even worst case scenario, 20. In there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, we've been to their head office, Jason. Yeah, it's yeah. in Nottingham with Warhammer World. It's this, not that big. This, you this combine p- yeah. Warhammer World and the head office It's and the production facility that's there, it's still not as big as the office that they showed. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and this is a small yeah. miniatures company. Yeah. I, I no. Yeah, exactly. Wow, straight away, that's where we are. Yeah. Stock images of offices claiming it to be your own. And the you know the statue of the dragon that's supposedly out there, which is badly photoshopped oh, into yeah. the image as well, is just oh, it's just laughable. Yeah, it, it was terrible. So talking about stock images, James. Now we can cycle back to those air quotes figures. Yeah, again, that's how they referred to them: figures, Figu- not miniatures, figurines, figurines. Very very old school. Okay, so now we're back to those. We're talking stock images. What's the betting that you could go onto any random stock image? website and type in a dwarf fantasy character yep. and you would be able to get one. But it, it's the fact that it's further down, they've obviously ripped because you know at this point we're, we're accepting that this is a full-blown scam page. About four or five images down, you actually start to get images of miniatures. Blatantly yeah. not theirs, but they are miniatures. You can tell it's a miniature. You can see the base. It's about the right size. I can actually see the paint marks on it where someone's done a very good paint job on it, not them, yeah, because yeah. they've nicked it from somewhere. But these primary images you've used are CGI characters from a computer game of some description. Inherently isn't a problem, no, but when don't you're, claim them to be figurines. When, when you're claiming them to be figurines for a game you've produced, it's like, that's not a figurine. No. I mean, you could have easily just saying, oh, this is character art, and it would have looked fine. Yeah, this is character art. This will be on cards. Yeah, yeah, but let's, let's, let's not give the scammers who may potentially be listening ideas, but yeah, <laughs> this is a page that has been created by someone who doesn't know what they're doing and is just looking to scam you for some cash. Yeah. You know, anyone but the greenest of green gamers is not going to fall for this. No. Just as, you know, it's, it's on the same lines as cold calls you get when they claim to be your bank. It's like 99% of people are going to tell them where to shove it because they can see it's a scam a mile off. Yep. It's that 1%, and that's why they do it. You know, they yep. cast the hook a thousand times, they'll get a bite one time. Yep, and again, this actually plays back into my first comment of the funding goal being as low as £500. Now, while we all know that this was never, ever going to be a game that they were going to put into production, by having such a low funding goal, if they make £501, they will have that money released to them. Mm-hmm. It, granted, it may not have been as much as they wanted, but there's still more money than they started with. Yep. As a success in their in their eyes. And the last thing anyone wanted was a clear-cut scamming board game project to be successful. Yeah. Because the second one is successful, you'll get more. Yep. So hopefully this is this is going to be a one-off. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be. They were unfortunately, it, again, it's the same with these. What will happen is you will get more slick scammers mm. coming on who will actually study other campaign pages, I think. Yeah. What do they look like? All of this. All that because you know this this guy was a mile obvious yeah whereas over time i'm surprised this hasn't you know with anything that's publicly funded like this you know which is ultimately the hosting site saying hey we're just a hosting site we're not responsible for the actual content yeah yeah. i'm surprised this kind of stuff hasn't happened so it probably has yeah and one one more thing that that's happened on this campaign and i would sort of emphasize at this point uh the comment section which is available to everyone you can go and read the comments on there they are horrific yeah horrific is a very very good way to put it this is not a family friendly comment section no um and we're just talking about the creator yeah that well again <laughs> that, that that's your biggest red flag yeah is someone who wants to legitimately get your money to give you to give you a game is not going to openly insult you in the comments section yeah you know various flavorful yeah, ways th- this is this isn't ebay where it's a private seller this is a company a le- supposedly yeah. a legitimate company with a reputation with a customer service agent presumably on the other end of that comments line to yeah. communicate with the backers 
they're not going to be swearing which this person I mean, that's clearly the, is. Yeah, that's the mildest yeah. of of what's going on on there. I mean, yeah, we, we, we cannot under any circumstances repeat the stuff that's no. going on here, but there are racial slurs yeah. used considerably, a, a myriad of other very, very offensive uh, comments. The defence, uh, I, I would actually point out another red flag actually is also, yeah, there are racial slurs coming from the creator, but there are also accusations from the same creator that some of the comments people are being racist yes. yeah. to which my immediate argument is there's no information about what you personally as the, the employees or where you're based um, none of that information is available to the backers no so I mean we're, we're talking about I think to be honest I think you're a phone scammer mm. and that is your defensive reaction yes and it gives you away a mile off. Yeah. And, and what we've we've just talked about, James, are the comments that have not been removed by yeah. Kickstarter. There is a... I mean, there's about 100 I don't, comments I that don't, have actually been removed. Yeah, I, I don't envy the Kickstarter moderator who is just having to go through that. Yeah. Um, obviously, now that the campaign has been suspended, there's there's no more comments coming. So that side of things is is pretty safe. But yeah, if you want to have a read, just bear in mind, it's, it's not nice. No. You know, I, I'm not usually offended by anything like that but it wow it, yeah. It, wow yeah just just wow and i i managed to get in before they removed a lot of the comments so i saw some of the really bad stuff but yeah yeah that's i mean that's dungeon delve so how do you avoid stuff like that james we've obviously talked about a few things there with regards to the blatant scamming one there but yeah as we've said we think more sophisticated scammers may well come in the future so how do, how do you protect yourself against it at the end of the day i did notice it on every at the bottom of every campaign page is that report uh report campaign to kickstarter yeah that 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 is really the only way because it, it says it in their policies you know that kickstarter is not responsible for basically what is on the site so they do some basic checks but not in-depth ones it is up to you as a potential investor if you think that something is wrong with it to go hmm this Not so sure right. about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree. Um, you know, if, if there's any sort of question about uh, a, a potential yeah. I mean, concern, uh, the, then, uh, then feel uh, free to use. Obviously, the I would say your process is um, again because I don't I, I don't use Kickstarter. I would presume you would politely start an interaction with the actual campaign itself. Yeah, because you have the the comment section, which if you um, are a backer, you you can do. And any legitimate company is going to be happy to answer your question. Yeah. If you do it in a respectful manner. Yeah. You know, that's your first one straight away. It's like, okay, I'm actually talking with this person. Do they sound legit? If yeah. if they're like this guy and they immediately basically insult you for asking a question, that's a big slap that yeah, exactly. report to Kickstarter button. Exactly. Exactly. And to, to expand on that as well, um, because of the amazing community that we're part of with, with board games, and this is very board game centric now, we have the perfect resources in trying to figure out your concerns. So as we said, due diligence will get you a long way. Board Game Geek is your perfect thing. First off, look for the company. Yep. What have they made? Are they reputable? Look for the designers. Are they reputable? If this is a first time designer, first time pr uh, publisher, it is possible because ultimately that is what Kickstarter is for. Start asking questions on there. You know, is the game even registered on Board Game Geek? If it's not on Board Game Geek, it's probably not going to be a game that one, you're really going to want to play because everyone knows if you're making a board game for the modern era, it needs to be on Board Game Geek or it will die. So Board Game Geek is your first go-to. If you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, they're all really good places. Facebook especially because the company will likely have a page and you can just go on it, have a quick browse. If you start seeing negative reviews on that, yep. you've you've got your answer. You've got various other tabletop gaming groups yeah. that are and, just and full of people uh, and just will say, I'm thinking about this. What do people think about it? Yeah, People will have a conversation. Um, a lot of game companies will have Instagrams, you know, mm, for sure. Yeah pictures there's um things like linkedin you know if it's a company it's like you can look for them on there yeah, yeah. lots of lots of ways basically it's it's like any investment you do you reach you wouldn't just like we keep using the stock market 
things. I mean, you wouldn't just go, it's not a casino. You wouldn't just walk in there and go, oh, I'll put 500 on Black, uh, on, on, yeah, Black 31. On this whatever. company. It's yeah. like you do your research. How are they? How well are they doing? You know, okay. yeah. are they going to spam my money up the wall or yeah. are they actually going to do something? There is the board game or gaming equivalent of that on Kickstarter. Which yeah. Do your research before you back it. Yeah, uh, and there, there is the perfect re- uh, example there, James. Again, you're talking about a casino. It's backing a game on crowdfunding is not Russian roulette. Mm. It's not roulette. You know, you're not chucking. You know, you're not just chucking money at something and and hoping. Yeah. You know, as oh, it didn't work. Oh, okay. You know, you you are making an educated decision, or you should be. Yeah. Making an educated decision. But yeah, back to the, the social media side of things. Any good self-respecting company of a gamer that wants to sell you their game, yeah, will have a social media presence chances are all of those groups that you're in yeah you know board game revolution on facebook uk board game chat and trading or whatever i've put questions out on there before about a game and the designer has replied yeah because they're proud of their game they want to make sure that people know about their game you know yeah. that's the kind of thing you want to be looking for yeah i mean obviously again one of the simplest things you can do if you're new to kickstarter is also do your research on who the who the, who the heavyweights are yeah you know there are some names you're going to come across like we've already mentioned Simon. Yeah. Like if you're if you're green to the to the hobby and you don't know who Simon are, they're legit. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't ever back anything from Simon. They are they are a terrible company. <laughs> they uh, I mean they've never produced one single game, despite the fact that I've got four of them on my shelf. Yeah, it's um <laughs> you know, they're the big boy, you know, the yeah. high street equivalent of Kickstarter. They've always got campaigns going, they always deliver. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean other things I guess you could do I, I mean most of it revolves around just having the guts to ask yeah questions uh, and stuff like that as i said it doesn't always work it is an investment i it didn't work out with jurassic world for me i initially thought it was a scam but actually doing my research i figured that actually do you know what there is a high chance that that was not the case you know there's always a chance that it was yeah but I get. I mean, if a, they did, when, I'll give them their credit that they put a lot of effort into into that scamming. You know, with the amount of artwork that they were doing, you know, and, and those pre-production molds, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, at that point, if it was a you might as well. It's like, guys, you might as well just yeah. make the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is the other thing, right? We're just going back to that game one last time. There is. We actually got to a point where the game was due. It was, they said it was at the ports, which meant that the game was produced. Now, we had pictures showing the game in production. So we know that that to be true. There's no reason at that point that what they said about it being at the port was, wasn't was true. This is ultimately where I think things went wrong because that was right in the shipping crisis. They'd openly said we're having problems with containers. There's There to me is where it ended because they couldn't afford more money for the shipping containers. They didn't ask for help. They do not. They will not allow these products to just sit there until they get money. No. You get, I think it's 30 days. And if you don't pay them, they destroy the game. Yep. They destroy the product. That is what I feel happened with that game. They didn't get the money in time. And whether it's a pride thing, I don't know, but they just never came clean about it. Yep. Whereas if they'd actually asked the backers, there's a chance that we could have saved the game yep. and actually got it to market, but they didn't. So there, there you go. That's that, I'm, I'm going to stop going on about Jurassic Park. I mean, it's just I mean it, that, that's the most plausible explanation, isn't it? Basically, that whatever port it was in destroyed it because it was taking up space on their yard. Yeah, and they weren't they weren't getting paid for it, ultimately. Uh, space costs money, is the long and short of it. I did, I did say earlier, I have had two campaigns that went wrong. Only one of them hasn't delivered that would be Jurassic World. The other one was kind of a loss. Uh, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before. It was Hollywood Racers. Started out as Hollywood Death Race. The person that was running that campaign genuinely ran away with the money. Yeah. So that, that, that was a loss. However, the designer got his rights back. He remade the game and gave basically anyone who said I was an original backer with proof, he then gave them their game free of charge. He didn't have to do that. I'm still very, very grateful that he did. That was a silver lining on that... You know, not very great Kickstarter story because that was genuinely like the second game I ever backed. Yeah. So I, I was not off to a good start. But silver linings, that that happened. So James, everything we've said, can we actually go back and say, yes, Kickstarter is or crowdfunding is a safe 
form of purchasing games. Yes, I think we can. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely say. Well, let me let me. I, I would I would say with this, you know, because it's it is basically individuals trying to get you to buy something with not much in the way of oversight from the actual host website. I would flip that question and go, is eBay a safe place to buy stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But there is the chance you pay pay the bloke and he never sends the stuff out. It, it's happened a few times. I've had it happen to me a couple of times. In fact, yeah. I've had it more happen to me more times on eBay than I have with crowdfunding. Yeah, because with crowdfunding, unless you are a full-on scammer, you're dealing with legitimate companies that have reputations. Yep, yeah. or people that want to become companies with yeah. legitimate reputations. So yeah, due diligence, do your research research remember the key facts that you are not buying a game to be delivered immediately one thing that people do forget and this is me included i look at a game now and i go oh i really like the look of that game what you need to ask yourself is the final question you like the look of that game now are you going to like the look of that game is it going to be up your street in two years time when it actually turns up yeah that's investing for the future yes wow that was a long one james that was oh I've uh, I've almost diminished my entire orange juice. My throat is killing me, and it's time to hand over to the man in the news shed, who um, conveniently is going to tell us what we can. <laughs> yeah, is uh, Kickstarter a safe um, a safe a safe platform, Jason? Well, we tell people to buy stuff on it every week. Pretty much, yeah. Although we have cut down how many we do, but yes, we are going to hand over to the man in the news shed. He is going to tell us all of the gaming news and gossip, and he will undoubtedly tell us about some uh, some crowdfunding projects that we think you need to know about. Just uh, just uh, an, a, an add-on, folks. This episode was in no way sponsored by Kickstarter. It wasn't. Absolutely not. I, we we I, genuinely decided to do this. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm, I, I will outright say it's like Kickstarter is not the best company in the world. Like I, I have issues with Kickstarter, but we have been talking about projects, not, mm. not, not the actual company. But yeah. Anyway, over to you, Paul. Brian, Jason just got hold of me. That's no way to talk about the boss. No, he's gone over again. I mean, time-wise. So we've got to make this short and sweet. Yeah, yeah, just like you. Right, cut that. Uh, we can put that in next week. And the Games Workshop stuff... 400 quid to join in the new Warhammer 40k. They are having a laugh, aren't they? Yep, cut that. That'll do. Hit it. Well, with the financial year coming to an end shortly, mixed news is coming from the Hasbro camp. Financial numbers announced recently for Wizards of the Coast, a Hasbro subsidiary, show a phenomenal fourth quarter where it took in the region of $339 million, up 22%, with an estimated revenue of $1.33 billion over 2022, and that's 3% up on 2021. Unfortunately for Hasbro as a whole, they didn't fare as well. While still taking over $5.86 billion over the course of 2022, it was still 9% down on its previous year. Consumer products fell by 10% and its entertainment sector fell by 12% compared to 2021. A statement by Hasbro CEO Chris Cox said despite growth in Wizards of the Coast and digital gaming, Hasbro Pulse and our licensing business, our consumer products business underperformed in the fourth quarter against the backdrop of challenging holiday consumer environment. As a result, Hasbro says that it will be laying off approximately 15% of its global workforce, equivalent to around 1,000 staff members. These layoffs come at a time when many large companies are reducing staff on their payrolls, with companies like Google, Microsoft, Meta and Amazon all laying off tens of thousands of workers. You'd think with Wizards of the Coast picking up the slack this year, things may have been a bit different. Oh well, what do the little people know? It's not often Yuri Geller's name makes the headlines, especially followed by the words Pokemon trading card game. That being said, after a lawsuit made by the magician two decades ago forced the Pokemon company to remove fan favourite Kadabra from production and indeed from the TV anime. All because Kadabra was illustrated bending spoons, a trademark of the magician's performances. 
Thankfully, Yuri Geller has now retracted the complaint, therefore allowing Kadabra to make his return in this year's 151-card set entitled Sky Ridge. Yuri Geller released a statement on the matter. I am pleased Pokemon fans are excited to see Kadabra return to the card game. I want to thank the Pokemon fans who reached out to me over the last few years. He continued, it was you and my granddaughters that got me to change my mind. Now we can all see Kadabra reunited with the original Pokemon in the card game this summer. I love you all and I admit, totally open and honest, I was a fool. It was a devastating mistake for me to sue Pokemon. Kadabra was basically a tribute to Yuri Geller, but it's back now forgive me. With Kadabra slap bang in the middle of the evolution cycle between Abra and Alakazam, both the Pokemon company and players alike have tried to find workarounds for its evolution, with reprinted cards in 2007's Mysterious Treasures sets, or making use of Pokemon Level X and V cards. Developed by Naughty Dog and published as a PlayStation exclusive by Sony Computer Entertainment. Winning countless awards leading to remastered versions and sequels. And The Last of Us has just made its jump to live action TV show, which released a short while ago on HBO. With such a large franchise, it was only a matter of time before it made its way to a tabletop near us. And not just one by the sounds of it, as publisher Themeborn will be first up with their title, The Last of Us Escape the Dark. The board game will be all about atmosphere as players work together as a group of survivors, while the game weaves a unique narrative of survival and companionship on the tabletop, trying to keep everyone alive as you journey from the totalitarian quarantine zone towards the safe haven of Jackson. Complete chapter cards to work your way through hostile environments, full of not just infected, but Fedra agents and hunters. Anyone who's played the games Escape the Dark Castle and Escape the Dark Sector from the publisher Themeborn knows this isn't going to be an easy ride, but Escape the Dark promises to be a punishing but compelling experience, with new characters and challenges to overcome. The game relies on custom dice to work through around three short-form encounters of about an hour each. The Last of Us Escape the Dark offers both solo and co-op multiplayer modes, allowing up to five players to experience the haunting, monochromatic setting in a unique way. Another game entitled The Last of Us, the board game, has been announced by Simon, but no further details are available. What do you mean you haven't got time for an entire Dungeons & Dragons campaign? Don't worry, as WizKids have you covered as they release Dungeons & Dragons Onslaught, a short, competitive skirmish game that's fun, fast and easy to get into. Set in the fantastical lands of the Forgotten Realms, it's basically a player versus player versus environment game for two players. You run your team of characters from either Harper or Zentarim factions against your opponent in order to complete objectives and take down the enemy. With the help of pre-painted minis that allow you to jump straight into the action without the anxiety surrounding having to create your own paint job. There should be enough tactical depth without the need to keep track of skills and abilities, and the card-based gameplay adds an extra layer to your typical skirmish game. Expansions have already been announced with both additional minis and scenarios. Well, they've timed that right, haven't they? It's like they planned it. Just before the release of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, as all those would-be Marvelites ask who the hell is Kang the Conqueror, Ravensburger has you covered. So go get those monologues ready as we delve back into Marvel Villainous in its latest expand-alone. Yep, apparently that's a thing now. An expansion that can be played without the base game. Who knew? Twisted Ambitions brings us Spider-Man's eight-armed foe, Dr. Otto Octavius, or Doc Ock, She-Hulk's nemesis, Titania, and the aforementioned Kang the Conqueror. Marvel Villainous is an MCU-specific version of the popular Disney Villainous competitive board game, where players take on the role of comic book antagonists, thwarting their arch-rivals and scheming towards the first evildoer to see their master plan come to fruition. How that pans out during play is specific to the chosen villain, each of which has their own win conditions within Villainous' basic ruleset. Players will traverse amongst locations tied to the chosen baddie, enacting schemes and playing cards from their hand that provide them with advantages as well as lobbing wrenches into their competitors' machinations. 
Twisted Ambition's trio of troublemakers are no exception, delivering three new ways to win the day. Pre-orders go live in February, but no fixed retail release date is available at the current time. Simon has been on the hunt for some new licenses and acquired a trio from Mythic Games. Super Fantasy Brawl, Enchanters and Steam Watchers will now publish from Simon, who will continue to publish the existing titles while seeking new products which can be created using these intellectual properties. Super Fantasy Brawl, designed by Jochen Eichenhuth, is a fast-paced brawler series which raised over $1 million on Kickstarter. Enchanters, designed by Rafael Sawicki and Jacek Golubwiaski, has been running since 2016 and has gameplay often compared to the digital title Hearthstone. While Steam Watchers is a newer property designed by Mark Lagroy, an area control game set in a post-apocalyptic frozen Europe where players must survive an ecologically ravaged wasteland. Simon weren't the only publisher on the prowl as Monolith Games acquired the licenses to Solomon Kane and Reichbusters from Mythic Games, with both properties planning to be developed further by Monolith. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding. As far back as the 1800s, and even earlier, the legend has been peering out from somewhere deep in the woods. Native people have spoke of a hairy man of the forest since before recorded history. Countless campers, hunters and hikers have been terrorised by a large dark presence in the woods. Growls and screams have been heard, rocks have been thrown and some even claim to have come face to face with a beast. In Bigfoot, the board game, it's up to you to brave the wilderness and track down the most elusive creature ever to live. Has he actually heard of the Loch Ness Monster? Anywho, pack your gear and head out. Search the locations around the map and put your tracking skills to the test as you follow the evidence. Be the first to learn where he is hiding and prove to the world once and for all that Bigfoot exists. Bigfoot is hiding in a secret location, which is set before the game begins. None of the players know the location and your goal is to explore the map in search of any Bigfoot activity and gather evidence. Eliminate possible locations as you go until there is only one remaining. Find this location and win the game. Before setting out, spend your hard-earned coins to buy items and equipment to help you in the search. Travel by car and foot to locations around the board before camping down for the night. Bigfoot emerges at night and will leave fresh activity markers across the board. Scout these new traces and analyse them using your decipher and decoding cards before making educated guesses on the beast's location. Bigfoot the Game is the first creation by Arizona-based designer Zach Thomack under his company name Flying Guy Games. Pledge levels start at £49 or $60 for the base game, which includes unlocked stretch goals and a grateful mention on the Flying Guy Games website. Additional pledges are available for multiple copies, which offer added benefits like t-shirts and caps, but I'll let you see those for yourself. Bigfoot the Game is live on Kickstarter now until Friday, February the 24th. Right, Brian, there's no time for pleasantries. Just say goodbye to everyone, will you? And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much, that Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for another topical discussion of I mean, technically, it's the first one of the year, isn't it? It James? was. I mean, we did one on our first week back, but that was more that, of a what we're going to do sort of thing. Yeah. How do we think this one went? I, I, I think I think we successfully waffled. We we well, I definitely did. Uh, <laughs> yes. You you've been wanting to vent about that game for how long? A long time. A very very long time. And and it was it was humbling to me to do that research because do you know what? I could have said some things that wouldn't have been true and i think really if you ever find a campaign that you're disgruntled with I, I genuinely feel that now my recommendation is you need to put in some serious work to do some research and find out that your facts are indeed correct because i'm the first time to ha hold my hands up now and go do you know what i was wrong i was indeed wrong but yeah james we need to get you on the crowdfunding thing because it's safe what are you going to buy, James? I don't know. What, what's Call Me or Not got coming? Technically, right? I have crowdfunded something, but not a board game. True. Well, we need to get you to crowdfund. I mean, we need to get you to get board games, full stop. But <sighs> yeah, I've got one. One is never enough, James. One is never enough. <laughs>
<laughs> they need more expansions for that game because then at least I can stop spamming you with those. <laughs> uh, anyway, shall we head off, James? Let's do it. I need to do it because my voice is uh, is going to go. So till next week, guys. I have been Jason. You have been Jason, and I've been Jay. I nearly forgot. <laughs> I genuinely nearly forgot. You've been listening to the Meeple Mining Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta. Goodbye.